All right, what's shaking, everybody? This week's episode of the Golf Guide podcast is proudly presented to you by GolfGuide.net and, more specifically, Pacific Coast Golf Guide magazine. And right now, you can get an absolutely free subscription to Pacific Coast Golf Guide by visiting our Facebook page. And there is a post pinned to the top of the page that says, Get your free subscription here. Go ahead and click that link. And when you do so, just answer a couple questions about your golf game, provide us with your address. And each and every year that we come out with a new issue of Pacific Coast Golf Guide, we will mail it directly to your door absolutely free. So again, visit the Golf Guide Facebook page, click on the link at the top, fill out the little uh, one-minute survey, and get a complimentary and absolutely free issue of Pacific Coast Golf Guide each and every year delivered to your door at no cost to you. And that's it. That's all the announcements I got for you today. So without any further delay, let's get to another episode of the Golf Guide Podcast. All right, all right, all right. Hi there, everybody. It is good to be back. Uh, I, of course, am your host, Kyle Serlo. Welcome back to another episode of the Golf Guide Podcast. Uh, we got a very fun, albeit somewhat brief, episode for you this week. Uh, we did have my good friend, the chief blogging officer himself, Jess Stemak, uh, scheduled to be on this week's podcast. But uh, alas, uh, a couple different uh, events happening last night. I think Jess's, uh, one of his parents, you know, I think his mom's car broke down, so we had to reschedule for today. And then it turns out that I've got an event that I have to go to tonight that I had forgotten about. So alas, I am riding solo this week, but fear not. My faithful listeners, uh, Boat will be back next week, so all is good there. Um, you know, for being pretty late in the uh, the golfing calendar, we got a lot of stuff going on. Um, and to be honest with you, the PGA Tour and what's happening in professional golf currently is really something that I'm not paying attention to or I'm even really going to share with you this week. Um, I know the Houston Open took place last weekend. Uh, I have no idea who won. I read the name very briefly. Uh, I heard it was a good story because it was somebody who was looking for their first PGA Tour win. Uh, they got it. Good for him. Don't know his name. And that's about all the time I'm going to spend on that. But we are a little news heavy this week. Uh, some different things that I wanted to make note of, make everybody aware of uh, going into this weekend. Some good stories that are circulating around uh the golfing internet, uh, some of the best writers in the game have penned together some pretty nice pieces that I wanted to make sure all of you had an opportunity to go and read if you hadn't done so already. So let's just get right down to it. Um, the first uh, item of news is the man himself, the guy responsible for my greatest sports spectating moment of 2019. And honestly, very well may be the best sports spectating moment, uh, San Francisco Giants championships aside, of my entire adult life, and that, of course, is uh, one Eldrick Tiger Woods. Um, Tiger has come out that he is going to be writing his own memoir. That's right. So um, the books we've talked about Tiger Woods, uh, or that have been written about Tiger Woods in the past, uh, especially that very uh, salacious uh, book about Tiger that came out a couple of years ago that we discussed a little bit on this podcast, uh, Tiger, you know, quote-unquote, wants to set the record straight. Um, so he is going to be coming out with a book titled back, uh, it, you know, obviously that carries a lot of, uh, you know, a lot of different meanings. First and foremost, you know, that his, uh, 
Physical back is a piece of pine tar, or I should say it's a couple different sticks held together by pine tar. Um, so that's great. I think it maybe also references that he was back to winning, yada, yada, yada. Don't really care. I got to admit, I'm I'm not sure I'm actually going to be reading back. Uh, I, I, I have a pretty good idea of who Tiger Woods is. I have a pretty good understanding of all the fucked up shit that he's done uh, over the course of his professional life. I know he has not been great uh, in terms of the way he has treated a lot of the people that are close to him, uh, you know, <laughs> ex-wife included, uh, and especially. Um, but, you know, I again, I, I have a good idea of who Tiger Woods is. I have basically, I, I have become comfortable with the fact that I um, outwardly root for a guy who as knowingly cheated on his wife, uh, is, you know, probably the centerpiece of the biggest, uh, sports sex scandal of the 21st century. Um, and I'm, I'm okay with that. I've come, I've come to peace, uh, with this fact. And, you know, again, I, I like Tiger Woods, half America likes, uh, Donald Trump. You know, we, we all like, you know, our, we all like guys who commit infidelity in our own special way. So that's, uh, that's good for me. That's awesome. Um, but yeah, if you, if, if reading a Tiger Woods memoir where he gets to go through and pick and choose the pieces of his life that he wants to share with you, if that's something of interest to you, then I think you are really going to enjoy his new memoir titled back, um, probably scheduled to get released at some point in the next year or so. All right. Next item of news here. One Richard Fowler, uh, most people commonly refer to him as Ricky, uh, dude got married over the weekend. Uh, most of the golfing media had no idea beforehand. Uh, him and his now wife, um, ex-Olympic pole vaulter Allison Stoke, uh, did you know t- tie up their nuptials this past weekend at a secret ceremony, what looked to be on a beach in Hawaii somewhere. Uh, so a very hearty congratulations to Ricky Fowler and his wife Allison. Very very awesome two athletes at the absolute apex of their respective sports. So. Uh, very, very excited to see the pole vaulting golfing child that they produce, uh, at some point here in the next uh, few years. So very, very hearty congratulations to Ricky and Allison. Good on you guys. Um, let's see here. Another item of news. Oh, this one was actually really cool. I thought this was really awesome. I'm very excited, um, to see this actually put into play because again, anybody who's familiar with this golf podcast, who listens to this podcast on a regular basis knows that I am all too tired of the slog that is a 72-hole stroke play event 50-something times a year. Uh, The fact that there is not a little more variety in terms of the golf that we get to enjoy as fans is criminal. Um, It takes someone like me who loves golf above and beyond any other sport, especially to play, but I love watching golf, and it has turned me into a guy that just... It's really, really hard for me to get jazzed on any 72-hole stroke play event that is not a major championship. Uh, it's like, you know, h- how many times can you watch the same thing over and over again? They don't play enough really fantastic golf courses to motivate me to want to watch for that reason. So, you know, anytime there is a tournament proposed or played that is not a 72-hole stroke play event, I get a little excited. Now, all this is to say... I haven't seen or it hasn't been confirmed whether or not this will in fact be a four-day stroke play event, but just the fact that the format is different and that there's going to be different people in the field and that it's not going to be your typical tournament, you know, PGA Tour setup is what gets me excited. And that is the news that um, Swedes Henrik Stenson 
and uh, you know probably the greatest female golfer to have ever lived, Annika Sorenstam, are going to be co-hosting a tournament in 2020 that is going to have a field comprised of both men and women, and they're not they're ready for this, competing as individuals for the same trophy. So to me, I, I don't know if there's ever been a legitimate mixed field men's and women's professional event where there's not like a women's bracket and a men's bracket. I think it's like the men and the women are competing in the same field for the same trophy. I would imagine that the women are going to have different tee boxes. Um, so the course will be playing a little less long than it would be for the gentlemen. But honestly, I, I think it is such an awesome idea. I could not wait to see the best women and the best men in the world uh, going head-to-head um, against one another. I, I just think that is a really exciting concept. I hope that this tournament is really successful because I think if it is, it is certainly going to open the doors to us seeing more of this um, on American soil. And you know what? Thank goodness, man. I, I think more crossover between the men's and the women's game is healthy for everybody. It certainly would give some more exposure um, to the women's game, you know, putting them on a platform where they get, you know, seen by you know, millions more viewers, uh, you know, like the men's game does, and then vice versa, you know, the men get to, uh, they get to hang out with a bunch of really, really talented golfers who actually probably, for the most part, are all better ball strikers than they are. <laughs> it just, they just have the physical limitation of having, you know, a, a woman's body, which really only just means they're usually not capable of hitting the ball as far. Other than that, there's, I, I don't know if men have a single advantage other than that, um, and it's going to be really, Really fascinating to watch all these people compete against one another. So very excited about that. All right. Um, next thing I wanted to touch on with you guys is a couple of articles that I just wanted to make you guys aware of that uh, provided me some really uh, some fascinating reading um, this past week. The first one is uh, Golf.com, you know, one of my all-time go-to uh, writers, one of my favorite guys in the business, Alan Shipnuck uh, for Golf.com. I believe the cover story for this month's Golf Magazine is on one Stephen Wardell Curry, um, you know, the greatest shooter in NBA history. Sorry, Mr. Bird. Um, where it's just talking about all this crazy stuff that Steph Curry is doing for golf, how much of a golf savant, and how much just of an absolute diehard this guy is. I mean, I was reading this article about Steph Curry, and I was thinking to myself, I was like, Did, are we, like, are we kind of best friends, but we just don't know each other yet? I, I It seems me and this guy have so much in common. He eats lives and breathes golf when he is not eat living and breathing basketball <laughs> which uh is, is kind of odd to say but it's really really cool man um you know like some of the good nuggets that i thought were fascinating was steph admitting that when he's in the middle of an nba game he does catch himself you know thinking about different swing thoughts <laughs> while he's sitting on the bench at a golden state warriors game you know two minutes away from steve kerr about ready to put him back in the game Steph Curry sitting over there trying to think about taking the ball, you know, taking his club hat out and bringing it through while he's activating those hips, man. That that is unbelievably awesome stuff. Um, you know, thinking about maybe past trips or future golf trips. I mean, the guy just absolutely loves golf, and uh, for you know someone who is arguably the best athlete in his sport, in you know, basically, there is an argument to be made that Steph Curry is the best basketball player alive right now. Again. You could make a lot of very legitimate arguments that there's other guys um, that are better than Steph Curry. Ultimately, because it's not an individual game, it is a subjective argument. So, therefore, if I wanted to say Steph Curry is the best basketball player alive, 
there really isn't a definitive way that you can prove me wrong, so I'm going to stick with it. But the fact that possibly the best basketball player on the planet Earth right now is as much of a golf junkie as he is while still being able to maintain the level of excellence that he does on a basketball court is absolutely fascinating and really, really cool. I mean, aside from just being a golf junkie, Steph's doing so many different things um, to help promote golf. I mean, we talked about this a few episodes ago where he's funding the first six years, the Howard University Golf Program, um, the traditional African-American university on the East Coast whose golf uh, program has been defunct for a while. So Steph Curry is single-handedly funding um, their golf program to get it back on track, which is absolutely amazing. Um, You know, it's just there's so many great things that Steph is doing for golf, and that's really what Alan Shipnuck's article kind of circles around, just really highlighting how good Steph Curry is for the game of golf. So I think that's a really a really fun, cool article. If you're a Golden State Warriors fan like I am and you love golf, then it's an absolute must-read. Um, the second uh, article that I found to be fascinating, this one certainly not as joyous but uh, interesting nonetheless, was the story about Kevin Na. Um, so when Kevin Na won the Shriners Hospital for Children's Open in Las Vegas a couple of weeks ago, um, during his, you know, award ceremony speech he asked it would be okay if he said a few you know a few words in korean uh and then proceeded to talk for about a minute and it seemed very emotional um and from the heart and in those comments you know he addressed something about how you know something along the lines of you know i i showed you know i showed you guys what i could do i let my play speak for itself i'd let you know there's not a lot of truth to all these rumors yada 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 um and a lot of us in the golf media weren't exactly sure what he was referring to, but all of that actually came to light this week. Uh, again, I think Alan Shipnuck and somebody else for Golf.com uh, were able to speak with Na and get a little bit of clarity on what this is. And again, as somebody who is very, very familiar with Korean culture, I, I myself lived in Seoul for a little over two years in my mid-20s. Um, I have a lot of friends that still live in Korea. I made a lot of friends that are native Koreans. Um, as you know, for a 31 year old white guy from California, I'd like to think that I'm probably in the 99th percentile in terms of awareness regarding Korean culture. And, um, Kevin, who was obviously Korean born, but was raised in the United States, um, still very much identifies himself as a Korean, as, uh, you know, you know, as being part of Korean culture. I mean, while simultaneously, obviously being an American, um, but there's this crazy story where Kevin Na a few years ago, you know, was engaged to a Korean woman, uh, and then right before basically broke off the engagement, uh, and then as a you know, as a show of good faith and goodwill, you know that he met up with his parents and her parents uh, to kind of put like a final bow on it and make sure everything was okay. Uh, and then this lady, you know, that Kevin Na was married to, basically brought a, in quotations, family friend uh, to come, but it was really actually their attorney who was secretly. Uh, recording their entire conversation. And then, you know, in Korean culture, uh, breaking up an engagement or a marriage in general is very, uh, it is still highly frowned upon. Think about it this way. Korean culture regarding divorce and breakups, stuff like that, is still kind of where it was in America in like the 40s and 50s. And that like, it's done, but man, you get shunned. It is just absolutely embarrassing uh, people look at you differently for the rest of your life. It's really just a it's a very, very weird thing. And uh, honestly, the golf culture in Korea is actually very much the same way. Golf culture in in uh, Korea 
is very similar to the way that it was in America in like the 40s and 50s and 60s. Very, very elitist, um, not accessible to the common man, the blue-collar uh, folks out there. Very, very limited access to golf in Korea, just the way that it was here in the U.S. Uh, 50, 60, 70 years ago. So in, in many regards, Korean culture is kind of following American culture, but it's just uh, several decades behind. But getting back to this Kevin Na thing, you know, after breaking up, then this lady starts, you know, coming after Kevin Na for damages. There, you know, all this defamation stuff is happening. Uh, this this ex-fiance's mom is protesting Kevin Na at uh, a bunch of tournaments, saying that like you stole my daughter's uh, like innocence or something like that. Which I mean, again, we can get into what the details of that mean uh, at a different time. But um, just a really weird, messy situation, and um, the Korean tabloids absolutely ate this shit up to the point where anytime Kevin Na was doing something good, you know, I mean, Kevin Na has battled some pretty savage mental demons over the course of his career. And with a couple victories in the last year or two, um, Kevin Na can't really do anything um, good or bad without the Korean tabloids, the Korean media more or less just shitting on him and, you know, bringing up this uh, quote unquote scandal again and all this other kind of crap. And so um, since all that, Kevin Na is now happily married, has children, seems to be in a really good headspace, and I think this victory um, in Las Vegas kind of brought him some peace of mind to let them all know that, listen, he didn't really do anything wrong other than propose to a woman that he ultimately didn't want to spend the rest of his life with. And, uh, you know, hopefully uh, what Kevin Na did is, I guess, going to temper or at least lessen um, the savage beatdown that he gets uh, in the Korean media. Now, who knows if that's going to continue because this upcoming weekend, we have the uh, the CJ Cup at Nine Bridges. The quote-unquote Asian swing of the PGA Tour uh, begins this weekend. It is the first and only um, PGA Tour event in the country of South Korea. Uh, it takes place on Jeju Island, which is uh, what Koreans call the Hawaii of Korea. Um, if you've been to Jeju Island, you know that it resembles... Hawaii in exactly zero ways, uh, <laughs> far less beautiful, um, not nearly as much uh, good food, unless you love Korean food, in which case it's awesome, um, but the golf course down there, which uh, is actually designed by um, a golf architect based out of Santa Rosa, my hometown here in California, um, yeah, I think it's Dave Dale uh, and his associate Mr. Ramsey, I think, designed uh, the Nine Bridges course on Jeju Island, so Cool little uh, Bay Area local tie there. Um, but, yeah, it should be a really fun event this weekend. Kevin Na is going to be competing. So we'll see. Uh, you know, keep, keep your eyes peeled, um, you know, to see if anything happens. I, I don't expect that we'll, uh, we'll hear much because it seems like most of that stuff was put to rest uh, after the Shriners Hospital for Children's Open. But uh, it, it is something to take note of and, and just see if uh, anything does transpire. So, um, and plus, on top of that, anytime we get some quality uh, PGA Tour events with a good field like we have this weekend, I know Brooks Kepka is the defending champion. Justin Thomas will be there. Uh, Kevin Na will be there, along with a couple of other of the world's top players. So, I mean, if that stuff's teeing off at 8 a.m. local time uh, in Korea on Thursday, that means we got ourselves some very nice primetime golf viewing coming up the next few days. So that is uh, that is actually um, good. It's something I will absolutely have on in the background while I'm working uh, on some other stuff here in the evening. So that's about all I got there for the Kevin Na story. Um, and yeah, and so basically between the Kevin Na story and the Steph Curry story, I think both on golf.com were good reads this week. I would recommend you guys check those out if you have not done so already. 
And then the last couple things I wanted to discuss with everybody uh, regarding news this week is uh, more localized. It's regarding Pacific Coast golf courses. Um, I did get the unfortunate news that the D- the only remaining course at Diablo Grande in Patterson, California, is going to be shutting its doors uh, in a few days from now. October the 19th is the last day that the Diablo Grande course will be open. And they're not sure when it's going to be opening back up, if it ever does. So if you are a fan of Diablo Grande in the East Bay, or I guess east of the East Bay, um, next couple days is your last chance, folks. Uh, there, there's there's a chance they might not back open again. So if it's a place that you really like to go play golf, um, do it soon. Um, which is, man, it is kind of a bummer because... You know, during the golf boom in the early 21st century, uh, there was two 36-hole courses there. The Jack Nicklaus 18 has been closed for over a decade now. Uh, the Dennis Griffiths 18-hole course that was remaining is now closing. So really a bummer for uh, for golfers in the East Bay and the, and the Central Valley there. Um, that was a pretty cool spot, and it's uh, sad to see it go. But on the flip side, there is a golf course reopening. That's right, reopening. Um, the Wynn Golf Course right off the Las Vegas Strip is uh, back and open for business, and it's only going to cost you a meager $550 a pop. Um, kind of interesting story. So <laughs> the Wynn Golf Club uh, closed, uh, I guess it might have been like two years ago. We talked about it on this podcast uh, because then you know, CEO and chairman of the Wynn Company, Steve Wynn, had closed it. It was going to be opening a quote-unquote water paradise park, uh, which basically amounted to like a 150-acre swimming pool and swimming complex. Um, but you know, since then, Steve Wynn has been removed as the chairman uh, amid a sex scandal, um, and the you know executives in charge of the Wynn Corporation kind of figured that space would still be best utilized as a golf course. So. Uh, they brought Tom Fazio back in, who was the original uh, designer of that golf course, along with his son, um, to basically renovate and redo the golf course a little bit. Um, there are eight entirely new golf holes of the 18 that are there. The golf course, while it's right off the strip, uh, is the site of the old Desert Inn, which is uh, a place that the Rat Pack uh, used to frequent pretty good, you know, pretty frequently. So some really cool history there. Jesus, I got a frog in my throat. Sorry about that, everybody. Um, yeah, so some really cool history. Uh, at least on the property where the Wynn Golf Course is located. Among the changes, the 18th hole has been converted from a par 4 to a par 3. Uh, so a par 3 finisher now on this new Wynn Golf Course. Uh, but seeing how it is Las Vegas, if you make an ace on uh, number 18, depending on which tees you're playing, that is an automatic ten dollars to $20,000 that the golf course is going to drop into your pocket on the way out. So uh, pretty cool stuff there. Um I don't know when I will be able to get the ducats together to actually go and play the wind golf course. I think if I have $550 to spend on a round of golf, I'm probably going to go to Pebble Beach before I go to Las Vegas. But hey, who knows, man? Uh, maybe it will happen one day. If not, bummer there. But uh, for any of you high rollers that find yourself in uh, in Vegas in the next couple of months or you know after that, and you want to get a little round of golfing, but you don't want to go more than uh, a few a few hundred steps from the strip, boom. The Wynn uh, win Golf Club has got you covered. All right. So with that all out of the way, I just wanted to touch on one last little thing. This is, uh, I, I've done this in the past, um, but I, you know, I, I always find it to be, uh, you know, an, an interesting and fun exercise. 
And that, of course, is to go through uh, an article that the good folks at Golf Digest, they just try so fucking hard. They're, they really do try to put together some really great clickbaity articles, but very few more so than this one. Have, but I do have so much fun going through and just seeing what kind of stuff they put together. So uh, I'm going to go through very quickly this slideshow that Golf Digest has put together of the 17 items you need in your golf bag. Uh, with uh, Now, I'm going to forewarn all of you. I have not looked at any of these items other than the very first slide. And just based on what the first slide says, I can already tell th- that I'm going to be chomping at the bit to tell you guys that you don't need like 15 out of these 17 items. It is crazy. So, Let's just get right into it. The first item that Golf Digest claims you need in your golf bag is new balls. Uh, that right away is bullshit. Uh, I haven't bought golf balls in five years. Uh, I am a single-digit handicap. So, granted, if I was trying to be a plus, maybe you would need some new golf balls. But 99% of us out there, you don't need new golf balls. Just, <laughs> you're not good enough. doesn't fucking matter. Don't need new golf balls. So, Let's see what they got for number two here. Oh, shag balls. Well, that could certainly go in a number of directions, but I think they're referring to uh, some beat-up balls. Um, I guess. I don't know. I just play that shit to begin with. I'm not really sure you need to have both of them. I I think one or the other is going to do just fine. Uh, They, you know, they, (laughs) what's it, their rationale for keeping some quote-unquote shag balls in your bag is, oh, if you're stuck behind a slow group and you want to play, get some extra practice in, oh, these are perfect. You know what? You know what's also good for practicing? Those same balls that you're using to play. All right. Okay. All right. Next one. Number three, rain gear. Man, I got to tell you, if you need to have rain gear in your golf bag, uh, that is, that is going to be some heavy shit. When I'm walking around playing golf in California in the middle of July, the last fucking thing I need is an extra two to three pounds of rain gear sitting in my bag. So, um, no. Let's just say no. You need rain gear in your golf bag if you're going somewhere where there is a good chance of it raining. That's pretty much it. So, Golf Digest, fucking 0 for 3. Jesus, let's keep going. Uh, An umbrella. Honestly, exact same thing as rain gear. You do not need to have an umbrella in your bag unless you are going somewhere where there is a high probability of rain. Given the fact that most of you listening to this podcast reside on the Pacific Coast, yeah, if you want to keep some rain gear and an umbrella in your golf bag from November through March, go ahead. Otherwise, have fun dragging extra shit around. That that good for you. Uh, let's see. Business cards. I mean, if you want to be the Daryl that just keeps on telling everybody and trying to network instead of just you know enjoying a round of golf, sure, bring your business cards. That's, that's great. Uh, if you are an interesting person and you're fun to be around, then, you know, people will ask you for your business card or your contact information. You can just swap phone numbers or whatever. I, Again, maybe this is me showing myself as not an opportunistic businessman, but uh, uh, business cards you do not need. <laughs> Unless you work in the golf industry, you do not need to keep business cards in your golf bag. Uh, let's see. Next one here. Oh, look at that. They, they couldn't help themselves. They had to throw a little ad in there. A first aid kit. Okay. Uh, item number six, a first aid kit. I don't think you need a full first aid kit like the picture that they're showing here, but you know what you should always keep is a couple of Band-Aids, um, a little bit of ibuprofen, and then also some tape, like some medical tape, in case you got to wrap something up or cover a blister or something like that. That's all you need. A full-on first aid kit, 
No. No, I'd say medically speaking, some Advil, ibuprofen, a couple of Band-Aids and some medical tape, and then very, very possibly like some chapstick. If you do that, you're going to be in fine shape. Uh, Yeah, get out of here with that full first aid kit stuff. Uh, Sunscreen, I will tell them they have hit the nail on this one. You absolutely should be carrying sunscreen in your bag. Uh, Skin cancers for losers, uh, which means, you know, which fits because I'm probably going to have skin cancer at some point. I'm in line to be either the fourth or fifth uh, straight generation in my family to uh, succumb to the uh, the skin cancer disease. So I am trying to pro- put that off for as long as possible. So I always keep sunscreen in my bag, and uh, I would recommend that you guys do the same as well. So that was item number seven of 17 uh, of items you need in your golf bag, according to Golf Digest. Congratulations. They are one for seven. All right. Markers. Uh, they got pictures of Sharpie markers here. You know what? Yeah, I mean, it's probably good to keep one Sharpie marker. I can tell you that I have zero in my golf bag right now, and I enjoy golf immensely. I, I, I feel like, you know, I'm not really missing out on it. If you do happen to have a Sharpie in your bag to mark up your balls, great. Um, I would say it's nice to have in your bag, but probably don't need in your golf bag if you really don't want to. Uh, next item, Towels. What 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 is with the plurals in here? They, it's like these guys are telling you to carry two plus of everything. What well, I mean, how darely do you have to be to be the guy showing up to the golf course with two towels on your bag? I mean, get it together. Uh, these people are saying carry one for your clubs and then one for your hands, neck, and face, and one another one in case things get wet. Do, do these people walk? Do, do these people ever play golf without a golf cart? I mean, you know what? Go ahead. Carry around a 50-pound golf bag and tell me how your back feels next summer. All right? Fucking Daryl's unbelievable. Uh, a scorecard. Really? Carry your scorecard in your golf bag. Uh, no. That, that is a no. You carry a scorecard in your pocket. You pick one up in the golf shop. You keep score. Keep it in your pocket. When the round is over, you post your score and you either recycle it or if it's a significant scorecard, you save it. Do not keep it in your bag. Otherwise, before the year is over, you're going to have 60-something scorecards in your bag. And literally, there's not a single reason to have that much of anything in your golf bag. So, Jesus, these people are really... Tease. Congratulations. Two for 11 uh, for the Golf Digest. 17 items you need in your golf bag. Uh, Tease. Those are helpful. Good for you guys. All right. Uh, Number 12, extra socks. Again, rain gear stuff. If you are going to play a golf course that is really, really wet and you think there's a good chance that your feet are going to get moist, sure, bring a pair extra pair of socks. Uh, Do you always want to have an extra pair of socks in your golf bag? I mean, it can't hurt, but you definitely don't need them. So, again, very, very misleading, uh, you know, title of this article. Uh, Let's see here. Slide number 13, cash. Um, I guess cash is king. It's always good to have cash. I don't leave any cash in my golf bag. I just always have my wallet with me. Um, so that, that seems a little odd, but yeah, sure. If you're a citizen of the world, have some cash on you. It's helpful. Okay. I don't know if you need any golf bag, but just carry some cash with you. That's all I got for you. Uh, coins. Everyone needs a ball marker, or everybody just needs a fucking ball marker. How about you, how about you don't carry a bunch of coins around in your golf bag? Jesus. Again, do these people, have, have they ever carried a golf bag once in their life? It's unbelievable. 
Uh, gloves, you know, I I only say this because you know it'll make my my good friend Mark Lawton, uh, you know, make make him happy. But uh, golf gloves, I mean, if you're a pussy with soft hands, then sure, carry a bunch of golf gloves. That's fine. If you're a real man, uh, you just have a callous left hand, and you just play the way God intended you to, and you just play with your bare hands. Uh, now I will say this: it is good to have rain gloves if you're carrying your rain gear, because if you are trying to play barehanded. In the midst of a storm or a very, very humid afternoon, uh, the golf club uh, gets a little slippery and the golf club goes flying. So uh, weather-specific gloves for, you know, extreme inclement weather, I'm okay with. Uh, Otherwise, just quit being a wuss. Uh, Let's see. The 16th item they claim you need to carry in your golf bag, energy bars. I mean... Energy bars are fine. I carry a bag of trail mix myself. Uh, I just find that to be a little bit more, you know, substantive. Uh, I can just grab a couple handfuls of Kirkland Costco trail mix, and it does the job just right. If an energy bar is something, you know, more, you know, if that suits you a little bit more, then sure, keep keep some energy bars in your golf bag. The one thing you don't want to do is be super hungry in the middle of a round of golf. Just at least have something in there. That you can uh, you can put down into your gullet and then you know kind of keep you keep you at even keel for an hour or two until you can find a way uh, to somewhere where you can get a little, something a little more with a little more substance. All right, the last and probably the least uh, thing you'll need in your golf bag. Item number seventeen: a water bottle. Yeah, sure. Why not? So what's that? Four four out of seventeen. Golf Digest. You have wasted my time, and therefore. You've made me waste the time of all of my listeners, so congratulations. Unbelievable stuff. And with that, it, it kind of, uh, you know, let's wrap this thing up, everybody. Thank you very much for listening to this week's episode of the Golf Guide Podcast. Uh, once again, this thing was sponsored by GolfGuide.net. Uh, get yourself a free subscription to Golf Guide Magazine, or I say Pacific Coast Golf Guide Magazine, uh, by visiting our Facebook page, filling out the quick little survey, uh, following the link we have there, and we will ship a new issue of Pacific Coast Golf Guide magazine to your house uh, or business, whichever you prefer, each and every year when we come out with that year's uh, magazine directory. Um, other than that, thank you guys very much. If you want to support this podcast, please leave us a rating and a review on iTunes. It's very, very helpful. And aside from that, I hope you guys have a great weekend. I will be back next week broadcasting from the lovely city of Austin, Texas. Uh, so until then... Adios, everybody.